0: Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Education Doctor Radio Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Ellis. The Education Doctor Radio Show is your family source for educational excellence. Our program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, where I'm the principal consultant, and our mantra is access, thrive, graduate. You can learn more about our firm at compasseducationstrategies.com. Thanks to everyone who is listening to our show today. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in. If you're listening to a podcast of this program, we also want to thank you for joining. For future show updates and ongoing relevant education news, please join our Facebook community by searching for The Education Doctor, then clicking Like. You can find us on Twitter at The Education Doc, and we're also on Foursquare where you can see our tips to prep schools, colleges, and graduate schools around the country. So please join us on Foursquare if you're there. We have a great show lined up for you today. A popular term in our education lexicon is achievement gap. Believe it or not, this term was first used in the 1960s, Then after 1970, it started to appear more in popular press as well. With the introduction of no child left behind at the start of the millennium, it's almost become a household phrase. We most often hear about this achievement gap in the context of the wide test score disparity between white students and black students a persistent achievement gap can have severe consequences for schools as well as entire communities. And more importantly, although it may be an educational indicator, it takes the resources of teachers, administrators, parents, businesses, and community-based organizations to tackle this nagging problem throughout our education system. My guest today is Etienne Legrand, who is the co founder and president of the W.E.B. Du Bois Society in Atlanta. She has some promising initiatives to tell us about, and my hope is that as we hear the work that's being done in her community, it will stimulate and encourage others to implement initiatives in their own community, whether they're located in Bangor, Maine, San Diego, California, or Grand Rapids, Michigan. As a naive doctoral student several years ago, I thought that the so-called achievement gap would be eradicated by now. Each year, we learn that there's more work ahead, and many bright beacons in this fight are in our communities doing some great work. So that's what she's going to share with us. Before we get started, I want to make sure that our listeners have our contact information The number to call in if you have a question is 714-333-3356, and I always love to say at this point in the program that our switchboard is located in sunny Southern California, which is my former home, but I am broadcasting live from Dayton, Ohio. And it is sunny now in Dayton, Ohio, which is great. So in addition to our call-in number, which is 714-333-3356, you may also email us at radio at com. I will take a quick break here, and then I will come back with Ms. Legrand to discuss what it takes to close the achievement gap in Atlanta. So just a few seconds. This is the Education Doctor Radio Show brought to you by Compass Education Strategies. I'm back now to talk with Ms. Etienne Legrand, co-founder and president of the W.E.B. DuBois Society in Atlanta. Etienne, thank you so much for joining us on the Education Doctor Radio Show. How are you?
1: I'm having a great day. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate you taking the time from your schedule to discuss this topic with our families. Um, you know, the education, the achievement gap is just very stubborn, and I wanted you just to start off, if you can tell us just how big of an issue has this been in the Atlanta area?
1: Uh, it's a huge issue. We like to say here in Atlanta that if it weren't for Mississippi, we'd be in real trouble. Um oh my goodness. <laughs> because we run neck and neck as, as the 49th and the 50th state uh,
0: mm-hmm. in terms
1: of the outcomes, educational outcomes of children across the country, so um, uh, misery loves company and all that, but it's, it, it's, a, it's not a good picture here in Georgia, and uh, neither is it, of course, as you know, across the rest of the country, which is just to say, oh, yeah. you know, that this achievement gap um, uh, leaves no one out. It, it is not about, um, how mu- you know, your economic status or what part of the country you live in. It is, as you said in your opening, a persistent uh, problem
0: that we, we've got to solve. Exactly, exactly. Now, tell us about your start with the W.E.B. Du Bois Society. We love that. Yeah, well, thanks for asking
1: that question. It's, it's one um, that I enjoy talking about because even as we're talking about um, a problem that has plagued uh, our country and pockets of children and and children generally, because when we think about the competitive level of our our kids here in the United States, whether they're of color or not, relative to their counterparts in other industrialized uh, and developing nations, you know, you could really get sad. But um, I'm very hopeful uh, about the problem, you know, and the the approach and, and solution we're trying to offer Uh, through the work here we've begun in Atlanta because we think of it as really hopeful. I mean, it fundamentally begins with the premise that all children can learn and and Mm -hmm. that part of um, making a change here has to do with the expectations that we set and the environment and condition that we set for learning to happen. Um, My husband, Hal Logan, and I believe in the transformative power of education like many of us. We're parents of three children like you, uh, Mm -hmm. and we're philanthropic supporters of educational causes, um, and that's sort of our background, not really educators, but creative people who are very concerned about um, where we find ourselves as a nation uh, with basically a persistent recessionary state because we have just not fully engaged the productivity of, of everybody in the country. Uh, So Mm -hmm. like most parents, we've been challenged to keep our children motivated to achieve their full potential uh, and to embrace learning as the key to their success. Uh, And like most parents, we've had an awareness that our public schools weren't providing the best educational opportunities for our kids and that, you know, the quality in in educational systems across the country are uneven. Um, Mm It really was for us finding an article uh, and reading, I think maybe, you know, there's something about, you know, tactile experiences where you can hear some things and sort of intuitively Exactly. but when you read mm-hmm. it in black and white, you can't run away from it. And I think um, you you opened up talking about this achievement gap and the pr- lack of proficiency between African-American students and other students of color and their white and Asian peers. And and mm-hmm. I think that having that hit home in a harder way, um, really was the impetus and pro- propelled us to feel like we had to take some action. Wow, that's powerful.
0: Now tell me, what are the ages of your children?
1: Our children are currently um, 19, 21, and 30.
0: Oh, wow. So we've, we've been at this parenting thing for a long oh, time. Oh, for a while. Yeah, i got to take some, get some tips from you afterwards. <laughs> now tell us about what the initiatives are. Um, at your program, can you tell sure. us a little bit more so, detail around that? So, our, one of the
1: things that we think um, is, is a missing element in this in this conversation, we think about the reform effort um, and and the ways that we've chosen to tackle um, this persistent gap, is is really sort of acknowledging that at the core, also not in addition to or in lieu of, but also is the reality that children are not motivated and engaged in learning. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not inspired to learn. Uh, Seventy percent of kids who drop out of school say they're bored and they're not inspired and they don't get the connection. And, you know, we we, as human beings don't do very much if we're not motivated to do those Mm -hmm. things, whether it's wait or stop smoking or clean the garage. So motivation is, is key, and we are sort of keying in on that uh, behavioral element, but also looking at the environment and the and the extent to which it is setting a condition for learning to happen. Um, we want kids, you know, children to pursue academic achievement as aggressively as they pursue achievement in sports or any workplace else in their lives. And, and mm-hmm. so what we're asking helping mediocre students become good and, and helping good students become great. Uh, we work along a spectrum of... Uh, mm-hmm students, um, young students, elementary school age students, middle school students, high school students. We engage college students in some of the programming that we offer, but, but we don't have intentional programming for college students. Um, and not that that's not important, but you, you got to limit your, your sweet spot at some point. Exactly. Um, so we have a relation of innovative programs and initiatives and online resources that, that really are trying to address the student motivation and engagement. Mm-hmm. Environmental pieces that play into that, and we recognize that we need to have all hands on deck, right We need to have parents right. um, figuring out how they can be better uh inference for their students' achievement and how we can have greater community support and uh, because we know that learning happens not just in school but out of school as well.
0: yeah, it does now you brought up a couple of things that I want to come back to, but If you can describe for us one of the programs that you have at the middle school level, what exactly do students do in that program? Well, a key
1: strategy uh, that we are um, uh, utilizing is the notion of public recognition and rewards as incentives. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the private sector, um, most of those environments have very complex incentive schemes to drive workforce productivity and behaviors and ultimately profitability. And uh, so our idea is to leverage, you know, what works over there um, in, in an educational environment. We don't do enough to encourage and inspire our kids to, 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 to give their best. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we think today with, you know, students needing – so much education. I mean, you, you used to be able to get away with 12 years of, of schooling, and now you you actually need more like 18. And yeah. uh, we live in a time when, um, you know, there are a lot of competing priorities and distractions and asking a student to stay focused for 18 years um, without anything more along the way than the opportunity to work for 50 years beyond that, even if it's working right. at something you love may not be sufficient motivation to keep them on Mm course. And so the program um, that we operate inside of schools uh, for middle school students, but also high school and elementary school students, is really just taking um, and implementing consistently around progress report and report card periods opportunities to recognize and reward their effort, um, Mm -hmm. their progress in science, and sustained achievement and Hmm. a public occasion. um, So we we want there to be no ambiguity about whether the teacher might say good job or your parent might say good job. We want to have a public affirmation of the myriad good jobs that have happened and use that Mm -hmm. as an opportunity to inspire not just the kids that we are acknowledging but also the kids who may not have earned acknowledgement to think about what they can do to step it up. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, I know as I'm describing it, you've got to be thinking, you're kidding me, schools don't do that? Um, (laughs) Well, no, they don't, not in a really methodical way.
0: Um, Uh
1: And so it is about motivating, it is about inspiring, and it is about sort of bolstering the climate and the culture of achievement within the school as one that expects, respects, and rewards achievement. Yeah, yeah. And I So you know, if
0: you're you're in the mm-hmm. eighth grade or the
1: seventh grade, uh, here in Atlanta at at one of these schools that we operate this program, you know, if you've improved from a D in, in math to a to a C, your teacher can nominate you and you can receive, um, you know, uh recognition publicly and uh prizes that we get companies to donate, whether it's Hawks tickets or movie tickets or an ice cream party mm-hmm. or uh, things that kids find valuable and and want to have, and we have lots of students following just a couple of years of of implementing this program, who go to their teachers and they want to know how do I get to do that? Why are they getting that and I'm not getting that? And so it starts yeah. with them asking the question. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, that it was that that you know things happen for you when you when you learn um, exactly a little little bit of a way to jumpstart the intrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. that students need to have fundamentally in order to be successful. Exactly.
0: Now, earlier you touched on parents and parents being involved. What are you seeing in terms of parent involvement as you work across the grades? Because certainly in my work in in the schools, I see that there's a lot more involvement in the elementary years, but when you get to middle and high school, it's sometimes a bit more spotty, but still parents probably need to be engaged even more in those older years. So what do you do in your program and what do you see it in your program in the way of how parents are engaged in those older grades?
1: I I see what you see, that it's highly variable um, Mm -hmm. across and across different kinds of communities, different um, different communities. I think it's different in, in communities of color than it is in, in majority communities. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right that as, as kids age uh, and become adolescents, that that uh, that's the time to remain involved, not to not the time to drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time that a a child reaches adolescence, um, despite your very fine efforts as a parent, if you don't remain involved, there are very negative peer influences that can undermine the work that you've done, Um, not necessarily to your child's detriment, but you you don't want your child to lose ground for any reason. Um, But certainly Mm -hmm. there are disruptive forces within the peer um, culture of African-American students around achievement, that's pretty well documented. Well, we think yeah. fundamentally there's just great opportunity for parents um, mm-hmm. to be um, engaged, you know to to really leverage the fact that they are their kids' first teacher. Um, mm-hmm. they're their first they're their best advocate and they are an important coach. So right. there are keen opportunities that parents have to drive and inspire academic ambition, um, for their kids to to set high expectations for academic success and to help them foster the habits and behaviors that they need to succeed and, and fundamentally to hold them accountable um, mm-hmm. for learning and their success in yeah. learning, you know, to use recognition and reward um, to to influence the behaviors and the outcomes, you know, that, that we want children to have and fundamentally um, foster a love of learning or at least a perception that learning is important and valuable. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, Etienne, you talked a lot about um Georgia and word it ranks in terms of the achievement gap, here in Ohio, under the previous Governor Strickland, there was an initiative that's called Aptly Closing the Achievement Gap, which began with a focus on ninth grade African American males. And I'm wondering, have you seen the achievement gap in Atlanta as more of a disparity for black males, or is it an issue that's more gender neutral?
1: Um, it, it's definitely gotta spin where where African American males are are not meeting their potential. I haven't seen any mm-hmm. data in Georgia that breaks that out specifically, but you know, the the dropout rate uh for, for African American boys is, is still, you know, be, I think below fifty percent in this state. Uh mm-hmm. and lower in other states and it's a problem. So right. um I think you know we've got to stop treating African American boys as defective girls. Um, mm-hmm. I think we have to um, expect that they can learn and then show them how to learn and hold them accountable for learning. I think we have to use carrots and sticks and um and I think you know that if we expect them to learn that they will meet our expectation um, mm-hmm. because they're eminently capable irrespective of their background and neighborhood and all of these things that I think too often we allow to be excuses, um, mm-hmm. and I think you know a kid, a, a child's job is to to find the line and try to cross it, and our our job as parents and a caring adults in their lives is to to push them back below the line and 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 help them figure out what they need to do um, and the habits that they need to acquire to be. Uh, successful people who are prepared to cross the line as as, as adults when they get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think there's nothing more important than making sure that kids have an early start um, and yeah. parents have so much responsibility there um, to read to their kids, to have their children read to them, uh, mm-hmm. and to do whatever they can to make sure that their child acquires language before they start school more than 15 hundred right. words. Right. And that they learn to read by the third grade. So if you keep those two markers in mind as you have a child and you mm-hmm. stay focused on helping your kid, your child, you know, learn language and acquire words, as many words as possible, try to get to 5,000 before they start kindergarten. Um, right. And then learn how to read by third grade, you'll be setting your kid up for great success.
0: Exactly, exactly, because certainly once they get into fourth and fifth grade, I mean, the classrooms really aren't necessarily teaching how to read skills. That's assumed, and the reading, um, the literacy skills that you need to tackle the subjects in fourth and fifth grade and beyond are different because it has that assumption that you already know how to read. And so it really is important that they have that um, foundation as they're leaving the third grade. You know, one thing that I noticed from your site is that you have several corporate partners. In addition to financial contribution, how can corporations or even small businesses be involved in closing the achievement gap in their communities? You
1: know, there there are lots of efforts, I think, in communities for employees of of corporate partners, small and large, mm-hmm. to um, to read to young children, to mentor you know older children, uh, to you know in in our case uh, of this program uh, which we call 90 Plus Celebration is the one that is recognizing and rewarding effort, progress, and achievement. You can mm-hmm. simply come out to that recognition assembly and cheer those students on the way you would come to a kids'
0: Um, exactly. I
1: think that, that students need to see people in, in from their community and all different walks of their community, being engaged mm-hmm. in their schools and, and in their lives in, in a variety of different ways. That I think meets uh, people's very busy schedules. You know, so there are opportunities to have small touches and big touches. And, and I, mm-hmm. I I think um you know that what we need to do is is get more engagement. Of, it, of, of Of workers in communities, and I know that there are lots of folks who are already invested in in playing those roles, but
0: certainly more is more is better mhm mhm now are there any other um, resources, if you will that you see as uh being able to support students with closing the achievement gaps that perhaps has gone unnoticed or we don't see enough of in our communities?
1: Oh, I, you know, I, I wish I knew as much as you think I do about the range of the, the, the various <laughs> resources that exist. I think there's a lot online for parents these days. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you can, in the old uh, yellow pages, add, let your fingers do the walking. Um yeah. I think there's probably no end of, of resources in communities, in boys and girls clubs and recreation centers outside of school and then certainly in school and after school there are all kinds of things that parents experiences that parents can um can help their children become a part of. Mm-hmm. What we like to to also suggest is, is that we think about different ways around which parents and students can come together around the importance of learning. We have a contract uh, that parents and students can sign to build accountability between them and it then provides a new tool for parents to use if a if a student loses focus or, or falls off the horse as we op- often can mm-hmm. do if they motivated hundred percent of the time and focus one hundred percent of the time. But that contract can be something that parents pull back out and say, hey, you signed this. We agreed right. you were to do X. And so it's a way to build an accountability within a family. So mm-hmm. we're trying to promote some new um, vehicles, um, but there are lots of, you know, existing ones that provide really, you know, meaningful and valuable experiences for kids, both tutoring and mentoring and, and after-school experiences, even if it's just, you know basketball and and some other athletics that keep them moving and and not sitting in a sedentary place.
0: Yeah. So now that the school year has ended, this is our wrap-up question. Um what's happening at the W.B. Dubois Society this summer? Well, the summer we
1: spend <laughs> doing a lot of planning. We there's so uh-huh. many um great groups that do summer programming from colleges and universities to other nonprofits, we don't have, um, at this moment in time, any programming that we offer in the summer for students. We encourage students to read, to work, and to volunteer, Uh, but most importantly, to read. It's the single biggest thing um, that they can do to make sure that they don't lose ground between the summer Mm -hmm. and the upcoming academic year, but it's fundamentally encourage to do something. To mm-hmm. stay in a state of learning because learning is continuous um and while summer is a place at which learning can happen in a much more um shall we say um you know less hectic pace um, right it, it still <laughs> should happen and and you and we always want to encourage students and parents alike to stay focused on um on reading and, and using opportunities to learn that are outside the classroom. But for us it's a it's a time of planning and a time of getting ready for all that happens in the South. Um, school starts pretty quickly here in you know yeah. the first week in August. So fundamentally it's July
0: and you know, August will be here before exactly. we exactly in nope. no time at all. So will no you please share with our listeners how to stay connected with your organization and to learn more? Absolutely. I mean,
1: our website is a valuable resource at org and our phone number is 404
0: Etienne, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. So we have some great shows coming up for you on the Education Doctor Radio, and we'll continue to bring you information that's both strategic, intentional, and practical for educational success. Please listen to our announcement on how you can stay connected with us as well. Thank you.